Welcome to the Grow Bowl with Disability podcast, brought to you by Ferros Care, a podcast dedicated to smashing stereotypes and talking about the things people with disability care about most to help us live bolder, healthier, better connected lives. I'm journalist Pete Timms. And I'm Tristan Peters. I work for Disability Service Directory Clickability and I'm a wheelchair user living with spinal muscular atrophy. Today's episode of Grow Bold with Disability is Growing Bold and Tourette's Syndrome. And our guests are the president of Tourette's Syndrome Association of Australia and mother of three kids with Tourette's, Mandy Maisie, and her eldest son and Tourette's Awareness Ambassador, Connor. In this episode, we'll find out just what is Tourette's Syndrome, how it affects those with it, and what we as a society can do to help understand those with Tourette's. And there is a language warning on this episode, there is a fair bit of swearing. So, Mandy, let's start with you. Can you explain to us just what Tourette syndrome is? Tourette syndrome is a neurological condition where the brain produces too many neurotransmitters and the brain's natural breaks aren't able to stop them. So they get overwhelmed. And so the neurotransmitters are things that transmit messages for movement or sound vocalizations and things like that. So um, the brain just gets overwhelmed. It has leaky brakes and the body ends up making strange movements, which are called tics or um, strange vocalizations, sniffs, grunts, words, phrases, swear words, things like that. So Mandy, Tourette's manifests itself in tics, as you say. Mm -hmm. Now, from my little bit of research, there's two classifications of tics. There's the simple tic and the complex can you tell us the difference between the two? Right. Well, there are there's motor tics and vocal tics, and then they're split up into complex and simple. So a simple motor tic would be a blink or a shrug or um, a nose wrinkle or something like that, mm-hmm. whereas a complex motor tic would be something like completing a movement, moving your arm, doing a forward fold. Uh, We've got a complex motor tick in our house where um, one of my kids has to stand up, walk across the room, tap you on the shoulder and say something in your ear. So um, so complex really is actually complex. When it comes to your vocal tics, so a a simple vocal tic would be something like a squeak or a grunt or a sniff. Um, a little chuckle, something like that, whereas a complex vocal tick would be something like a yeah, a word or a phrase. My, uh, my middle one will do entire verses of song um, with the words changed. So it's, it can be quite, again, complex. Mm. Now, Connie, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about your Tourette's, because you started seeing symptoms much later in life than your siblings, I believe. Yeah, no, I, um, ooh, 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 ooh. Um, yeah, my tics developed much later um, in my life to uh, where they were noticeable anyway. Um, it wasn't until I was about 21, 22 that they really started coming on. And then ooh, they kind of grew very, very rapidly. You know, I went from what would ooh, ooh, considered like a simple motion tick where I would just like, throw my head backwards in like a relatively violent motion. Um, But it would just be throwing my head backwards to um, like about within nine months, I was saying complete complex sentences um, in a, in a calls, you know, Um, I was saying complete racist sentences um, while with my friends trying to buy, you know, a sandwich or whatever. 
Now, Mandy, none of the kids actually showed any signs of Tourette's until what I would call recently, what, within the last eight years? Yeah, within the last, uh, within the last five years. Last five years, yeah. How did this start manifesting itself? Initially, it was interesting. We didn't notice that Connor had um, simple motor and vocal tics because kids sniff, kids grunt, kids make strange movements. So we didn't notice with Connor. It was the youngest, Izzy, when she was about two. Um, She would make funny sniffs and pull funny faces. She'd be blinking all the time. So we did the usual, take her to the doctor, get her checked out for repetitive colds and things, Um, take her to the opticians, get her eyes checked because she was constantly squinting or blinking, get the hair cut make sure her hair wasn't in her eyes and then we realized as it got a little bit more complex we realized that there was something else going on so we took her to get her seen by a pediatrician who then said that they thought it was Tourette's syndrome and um, and then it wasn't until several months after that that Connor really started becoming quite noticeable with more complex tics and then we realized because we knew what Tourette's syndrome looked like Mm. We were then able to realise that that was what Connor was going through. Oh, gotcha. And then the middle one, a middle one about 12 months later, um, started ticking as well. So, Right, right. So, Connor, then for yourself, um, mm. are the, the ticks getting progressively worse? And if so, how, how are they getting worse? Um, ooh, so they, they wax and wane. So some days um, they can be worse, some days they can be better. Um, and it can even happen on like a, a more long-term scale. Like at the moment, I'm in like a relatively calm period um, for, for myself anyway, you know? So it's mostly just um, like small motor tics or like tapping of my face and things like that. Um, and then only really at the moment, it's quite bad because I get set off by the cold. So like at the moment, um, every time there's like a big cold chill or a cold breeze, it'll set me off. And then so I end up having more violent tics, you know, at the moment because it's cold, weirdly. Um, but it's probably, I would hope, about as bad as it'll ever get. Um, but it's more, yeah, that waxing and waning where sometimes it's better, some days it's worse. Like sometimes I've gone for like, ooh, like a week and a half without it, without a tick at all. And it seems really strange because I'm like, oh my God, maybe that's it forever. Or maybe I've been faking this entire time for four and a half years. Um, and then, and then all of a sudden a week and a half later, I go piss. And I'm like, oh no, I, nope, there you go. I'm no, I'm definitely still have Tourette's. It's not gone anywhere. (laughs) Can I make the distinction there, guys? When he says more violent, he means as in more pronounced as opposed to actually being violent. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, actually, speaking of that, you know, the middle child void, she, has quite physical tics. Is that dangerous for her and people around her? It can be. Um, we actually do know of a few people that have void t- uh, tics are actually not terribly violent at the moment, as in physical. They go through stages. Mm-hmm. Things get thrown a lot, but mm-hmm. we do know, we do know of a few um, teenagers that have quite violent tics, and people do get injured. You can, you know, so, somebody can be. Um, punched in the face or punched in the shoulder or mm. punched in the back. Connor actually Gross. took a flying kick to the back a couple of years ago by a teenager. Um, and that was actually a tick. Sounds really weird, but we were at camp and there was a flying kick mm. off a staircase into Connor's back, which caused him quite a lot of damage. So, um, yeah. 
Yeah, they are hard to deal with. And you just have to learn, unfortunately, to distance yourself if you have a violent tick. You have to kind of pull back and stay away from people a little bit. Coronavirus has weirdly been very helpful for that. (laughs) Everyone started keeping a bit of a distance away from you. And it's been quite good because for me, like sometimes I get like a need to touch people, but it's only if they're within touching distance, you know? Ah, And so it's like... With with people stick stick sticking that distance is actually a lot better for me because I'm not then trying to touch them or like give them the finger and stuff because they've given me that distance. So coronavirus has actually been a slight blessing, I think. Oh, there for you some go. Of us. <laughs> the one silver lining to coronavirus. Yeah, there. exactly. Man, I just want to ask you. You mentioned that the kids, you, obviously, with Izzy when she was young, you started noticing her ticks, and then you realise that Connor has got ticks as well. And then Void came on very quickly. Yes. Is there a is there a connection? Does one set off another? Is there any scientific background into that? Um, well, it's genetic anyway. So they will have all already had threats, yes. but it just wasn't necessarily um, evident. It wasn't that actually a, um, showing its ugly head, so to speak. Mm. Uh, when they are, are together, they tick way more, which is great when we have a family gathering, <laughs> as you can imagine. <laughs> it's like a three-ring circus. Yeah. But, yeah, so they can set each other off and they'll pick each other's ticks up. Connor coined a phrase a while back. They, um, they tend to trade ticks like Pokemon cards <laughs> when they're together. Um, <laughs> so, um, or they will, uh, certain people set off certain ticks. So, um, if you, if there's somebody you don't like, unfortunately, they might get the brunt yeah. of your ticks yeah. <laughs> or somebody interesting or somebody new to you will get the brunt of the ticks because they're kind of, that's the person that you think, Oh, I really, I really want to talk to them, but I'm a bit nervous. And so then you'll really tick around them. But, yeah. um, with regard to Void ticks becoming evident because Izzy and Connor were ticking. I don't think so. I think she would have. They would have already yeah. had Tourette's. They already were genetically predisposed to it. It's, it was just a matter of when it came out. Sure, and I mean also all your kids have developed uh, yes. coprolalia. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. Coprolalia. There we go. Thank you very much. Um, can you explain uh, a little bit more detail what that is as well? So 10% of the population with Tourette's or thereabouts has something called coprolalia. And that is obscene words, phrases, or racist slurs, things like that. So that's past the complex shit, ticks, shit, but, shit, it's, um, but it's another sort of another dimension to it. But there is also coprapraxia. Yes which is obscene gestures. So you will see some people with Tourette's syndrome give people the finger or make uh, other obscene gestures. So that's coprapraxia. There's also coprographia, which is obscene writing. So sometimes um, Mm. you'll just get rude texts from people um, or penises drawn on things. That's a common one. Um, I actually end up with the word penis written on my arm quite a lot by my youngest Uh because she Uh has coprographia as well. And then you've got echolalia, which is echoing things that other people say, and papillalia, which is repeating the things that you've said over and over again. Wow. Mm. There's a lot of them. There are. 
<laughs> now, Connor, with the coprolalia, how does that make you feel when there's an, when you have an outburst when you're in public? Um, when I first started, it was honestly like the most horrifying thing that can happen to you because it's like it just the worst things that you can say sometimes and things that you can't even imagine you would say. But for me, I've actually just learned to kind of just roll with it. And it's like I've given mine a name. His name is Barry. Um, and he's a bit of a racist asshole. Um, but but the um, and so it's almost like I've grown detached from the things that come out when I have um, the ticks, you know. Um, and so it's almost like I can laugh at them as if it's like some horrible person has said them instead of me now. Because um, I had one yesterday as well. Um, I was ooh, my girlfriend was doing her um, a driving test. Um, and we were at the, the motor transport place and there's a guy stood at the front, like uh, letting people in because of co- coronavirus restrictions. Um, and then I was like, only faggots wear skinny jeans. Um, and he was the only dude around wearing skinny jeans. And I just had to then look him in the eye as he went, take a number. And I was like, all right, sure, sorry, mate. <laughs> do, you, do you ever say to them, sorry, I've got Tourette's? Is that what oh, yeah, you just yeah, definitely, it? definitely. But like for the most part, like I think a lot of people can kind of understand because I'm like relatively frequent with them. You know, I don't, I I don't look completely um, neurotypical and then just swear out of the blue. Generally, like there's a buildup, like I'm, I'm generally doing hand motions or like my head's nodding or I'm like trying to click my tongue or something, Mm. you know? It Um, does become exhausting though, the constant apologies. I think that's why it gets to the point where you say sorry so often that um, you would just be a, just a walking mouth. sorry sign. Maybe you should get a T-shirt made, Connor. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 it's a great idea, but then I'd have to wear the same fucking T-shirt every day. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, luckily I've got, I, we, we the Tourette's Association sell hats and hats are quite a good one because like yeah. you don't wear a hat every day, you know? And so the days that you are going to wear a hat, at least you're repping it then. Yeah. <laughs> and in terms of employment, has it affected your employment at all? What impact has it had in that space? Um, yeah, it definitely does. Like it was, I've been happily employed now for about two years uh, with a fantastic company, uh, Princess Polly. They sell women's clothing online. Mm-hmm. Um, but like before I found my job with them, it was exceedingly difficult. Like I was even with a disability service provider, like a person who's designed to help disabled people find jobs. Mm. Um, and they essentially told me to try and hide my tics or lie about how bad they are in my interviews. Um, otherwise, people wouldn't want to hire me. You know what I mean? And to hear that from a person whose entire job it is, is to help me find a job. It's a bit disheartening, you know? Um, And more often than not, it's just people aren't willing to give us a shot. You know what I mean? They think they can't handle it and that it's going to be a lot of work. And it's like, for the most part, it's not. You know what I mean? I I swear and I slap my desk a bit. But other than that, my my KPIs at my job are actually better than anyone else. (laughs) Like, I'm fantastic at my job. And it's like... (laughs) I just swear while I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> now, people with Tourette's do experience higher rates of like self-isolation, anxiety, and depression. Do you go through those emotions a bit too? Yeah, definitely. It, um, it can be like super isolating at times, um, often because you feel like you can't just live a normal life. You know what I mean? Um, and a lot of things that most people would take for granted are like quite big events or journeys for us, you know? Um, I definitely have struggled with like lots of depression in my past. Um, and like I am bipolar myself. So I like that compounds onto it as well. Mm. Um, and so like learning to live with that and more take every single day as it comes actually helps me kind of evaluate my life more, if that makes any sense. Um, because when I look at it on the long scale, it is a, a huge picture and it is a massive journey. 
But if I just look to the horizon, which is tomorrow, then that's a lot easier to make, mm. you know? And so for me, like that's the kind of message I try to pass on to the kids and teenagers that I speak to as well, is it's like life with Tourette's is, n- is never going to be easy. It's going to be a long and hard journey, but life is a long and hard journey anyway. But at least we're going to come out with some level of determination and strength just from being able to survive and really push through what we go through. Yeah, yeah it's such a powerful, powerful message that. And I mean, Mandy, how have you seen the Tourette syndrome affect the kids outside of the ticks? I mean, it's obviously got built this strength and resilience that's, that's really powerful. Absolutely. We did make a really strong point of saying, well, I made a very strong point of saying to the kids that there are so many people out there with Tourette's that don't have a voice or don't feel like they can stand up for themselves, that as a family, if we can do that, we can stand up and be counted and put ourselves out there and get the awareness out there and just, yeah, stand firm for the people that can't actually do it for themselves. So we've kind of taken on the mantle as a family to be there to advocate for other people with Tourette's. But it is really hard. Um, I mean, yesterday I got a phone call from the school for my youngest, Izzy, to say that her legs had stopped working. Um, And so I actually had to go and get her from the library at school and carry her to the car. Luckily, we've got a wheelchair at home. But she woke up this morning and her legs were still not working. So then I had to, you know, there's it's silly things like having to pick her up and put her on the toilet and get her off the toilet and get her dressed and all these things that she would normally do for herself that for no apparent reason just suddenly couldn't do. And mm. uh, and then I got a phone call today at lunchtime to say that her legs had started working again. And so the wheelchair that she's taken to school was superfluous to requirements. And, and you've got to roll with the punches. You've just got to, you know, I could have just said, oh, your legs aren't working today, so stay home. But it was a case of, no, your legs aren't working. Tough luck. Life's hard. Legs aren't uh, working. Su- suck it up, princess. Off you go. Because there are people with it so much worse than uh, we've got. Get some- so, so what, Mandy, what's it like for you as a mum? Do you have your downtime just going, oh, God, I can't deal with this anymore? <sighs> yeah. Well, but then don't don't all parents. I mean, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I say. <laughs> Do you get frustrated? Like, you know, the fact that I oh, know she's got Tourette's, but it's like, yeah, you know, as you say, come on, your legs, you've got to carry to the toilet, shower. Yeah, well, you know, there's physically nothing wrong with your legs. Mm-hmm. Why is your brain doing this to me? I really could do without this right now. And the frustration is there, absolutely. When they're all ticking and we've got cockatiels at home as well. So we've got two cockatiels, two budgies, <laughs> a dog, and three kids with Tourette's, and sometimes the house is complete bedlam, and you just want to go, shut up! (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes I might, under my breath, or maybe I might say it a bit louder. And you do, because the frustration is definitely there, because we're all human. Mm. Um, But I just figure my, my kids have got it way worse than I have. They're the ones that are actually living with it at some point, you know, Connor goes home to his place now, and so I haven't got to deal with his Tourette's, but he still has. And when the kid, when the younger two get older and they leave home, their Tourette's will be gone with them, and they will still have to live with it, and I won't. So from my point of view, the best I can do is be as supportive and as loving as I can as a parent, do everything I can for them to make the world Gross. a better place for them with Tourette's, and yeah, and help them grow into the people that they need to be. What's up?
Nice. Fucking loser. That's all right. Void would say, stop being such a narcissist, you bitch. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Um, And now, Connor, in terms of threats, are are there any treatments for it? Are there available treatments or um, it's just, you know, as as your mum was saying, you you live with it, you you grow and learn to uh, adapt to it? Um. Like that, like neurologists will definitely happily suggest plenty of medications mm. um, that have various possible benefits. But like most of them are shooting in the dark. Like when I when I would go see my neurologist and I'd actually speak to them and say, "Well, what do you think this is going to do?" They go, "I don't know, but it works for other things that are similar, so maybe it'll work. Why don't you just try it?" You know what I mean? And it just and it feels like a lot of um, doctors really are generally just shooting in the dark. Um, for me, I found a lot of it was learning to a come to terms with it and reduce my stress and anxiety. You know, the second I worked on not being as anxious, my tics weren't as bad, and then it wasn't feeding into that cycle as often. You know, and I try and live uh, as a much of a ooh shit as much of a relaxing and kind of you know happy life as I can in order to reduce my possibility of ticking constantly. You know. Um, there's, there are, there are possible treatments. There's something called, um, deep brain stimulation, um, which is actually something they use for people with Parkinson's. Um, so there's possibility in that, but there are lots of horror stories. Mm. Um, and it doesn't seem ideal, you know, to put electrodes into your brain in order to try and stop something that is sometimes a painful, most of the time an inconvenience, you know, um, and then, so then there's also cannabis. Cannabis um, can work really well. Medicinal trials show fucking amazing premise, uh, promise. Mm. Um, and then there's also, um, I was speaking to um, a lady recently about um, the, there's been research done into psilocybin mushrooms as well mm-hmm. and using those in a therapy because it promotes neurogenesis. The idea is that maybe you could help teach your brain how to create new pathways so that you're not swearing or you're not doing these things and you can help use um, like cognitive behavioral intervention therapy to instead you do something else, you know, um, which is normally very difficult. But um, they're basically saying that through the use of that, there's the possibility that you could um, do that, you know, help your brain um, not do ticks as often. It's a bit more natural too. So are you willing to give that stuff a go? Yeah, definitely. I think like the, those things are as good a chant as, as anything. Like I, I tried all the different medications the neurologist gave me and lots of them, they made me sleepy. They made me grouchy. Um, lots of them made me put on hideous amounts of weight, mm. um, which as a person who used to have an eating disorder is definitely not ideal. So it's just, it's a combination of things, you know, like I'm, I'm definitely willing to try anything, but I think acceptance is the real answer, mm. you know, like all, all those things will help on an individual level, but who knows to what scale, you know what I mean? The, the main thing we need is that just acceptance of, of ourselves and from other people. Yeah. What does the research say as you get older? Do the symptoms lessen or do you plateau and it just doesn't never goes away or? So um, research says that it, um, well, re- not research, like doctors say that it, it fades with age, um, but doctors are generally not correct about that. What you get better at is hiding it and controlling it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, the more often you do a tick, the more you recognize when it's going to happen. And the more you, as you get older, are able to almost like have a level of self-awareness in your brain to not do it. Mm. Or camouflage it. Or camouflage it, you know, or do something else. Like um, I, I regularly click my tongue, um, which is like me trying to do anything but what my brain wants me to do. 
you know, um, and I can do that, but only because I'm an adult and I've got that, you know, level of self-awareness that this is a thing I don't want to do and I know what's happening. But I know, I know plenty of other adults with Tourette's, even people who, who have now developed it as adults, um, enough that it really kind of disputes what doctors say, that it should fade with age. It really is just you get better at managing and hiding and just living with it. You know what I mean? Like I've, I met, I've met a couple of people recently who've told me, oh, you know, I thought that maybe I did, but it doesn't bother me enough to get it checked out. You know, and it's, and it's like, yeah, because if, if it's not bothering you, you're not going to end up going to get it checked out, are you? You know, so it's like there's probably loads of people out there who have it and don't even realize. Yeah, and we, we often get so caught up in talking about diagnoses and treatments and all those sorts of things. I mean, let's talk about, Connor, what, what are your dreams for the future? What, what is on your radar coming up? Um, I'm not sure at the moment, really. Like, um, for the most part, I've really just been trying to get my own attitude and perspective on life to a really good place, mm. um, which I've really done. Like, I am in definitely the best place and, you know, ready to do so much more with my life at the moment. Um, but really definitely, I think down the line, I just want to help other people reach the same place I have, um, maybe without having to take the same ridiculous journey that I did, you know, um, cause there, there are lots of shortcuts to, you know, finding, um, yourself, you know, and kind of self-actualizing and really being the best you. Um, and it's a thing that we, it's, it's an attitude thing and something that we do every day. Um, I think, you know, I'd really just love to help people find that same attitude. Yeah, nice one. Well, Mandy, that brings me to you. You're the president of the Tourette's Syndrome Association of Australia, as we mentioned at the start. Tell us what the association does. Um, well, so the association is really there to try and raise awareness for Tourette's Syndrome and try and educate everybody. Oh, the police service, the the medical establishment and the education establishments, we're trying to educate them in how to handle people with Tourette's. And we're also there to provide gross, support gross. for families with Tourette's or people with Tourette's. Uh, we have an annual camp program, uh, which runs a, a camp in each of the states where families um, of people with Tourette's can all get together and spend time together. And you just just chill out and not stress about having Tourette's, which is really great. <laughs> Watching, you know, you just can get on with it, which is great. And we also have a... Um, you, in most states, there are several support groups. So a lot of people will find in their local area, there is a support group that they can meet up. We had a meetup this weekend just gone. We had 35 people turn up to uh, to our meetup at the Hins Dam, which was incredible. Mm-hmm. And um, we were all there for about five hours. It was um, It was amazing. And everybody was just able to chill out, know that even if people are staring, you've got people that have got your back. And you can swap stories and you can just get the emotional support from other people that know exactly what you're going through, which is great. But in terms of the camps and the meetups, I mean, it's as we've alluded to, it's not just about helping the kids, but the whole families as well, isn't it? It's about that community and educating everyone. Tourette syndrome affects the whole family. Even if you've just got one child with Tourette's, um, it will affect Piss. the way the whole family Piss. runs because you don't go out in public as much as you would if your kids didn't have Tourette's. You don't go on holiday to the places that you might want to go to and you certainly don't go to nice posh restaurants. <laughs> um, you know, it's like some places are just not the place to go. I'm not going to go to the Palazzo Versace and um, and expect that my kids are going to 
come out without breaking something. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, so you do. It, it does become socially isolating, even as a family. And knowing that whenever you go out as a family, there's going to be something. Somebody's going to tick. Somebody's going to go up, get upset. Somebody's going to be looking. And there's that constant, is it worth the aggro? Mm. Um, the problem is with Tourette's is that the majority of people with Tourette's have what we would call a comorbid. So they'll have autism, they'll have OCD, they'll have anxiety. And there's a, there's a whole plethora mm. of um, different, we call it alphabet soup. Um, there is a whole plethora of things that go with Tourette's syndrome. So it's very rare that you've got a family that's gregarious and go out and have fun and do great stuff because they just don't. It's, it's in the hard basket. Now, Mandy, if someone thinks their kid's showing signs of Tourette's, what do you suggest they do? So to be diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome, you've got to have had um, motor and vocal tics for 12 months. So what I would say is if you notice your kid ticking or you think your kid is ticking, um, just make a note of what the ticks are. You don't have to do anything massive, just, you know, a head nod, squint or whatever. And then just they don't have to be constantly present for 12 months, but they have to be, you know, a regular feature for 12 months. Once you've got that, you can go and see either a developmental pediatrician or you can see a neurologist or you can see a psychiatrist and they can diagnose it. And it should be enough to just present them with the this has been going on for 12 months. Here's my evidence. It started here. It's still going now or whatever. And um and they should be able to diagnose it from there. If they don't, um, then they're not doing their job properly. And they can get in contact with you guys at the association? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. If you think your child has got Tourette's syndrome, absolutely. Look us up on Facebook or look us up on the on the website. And um, we are there to guide people. We're there to help. There's always somebody that's willing to give them the benefit of their experience and, uh, and hold their hand, really. Oh, we <laughs> we need to uh, we need to be there for each other and it's uh, i i said when i found the Tourette syndrome association before i became president before i was on the committee before i was a support yes. group leader i found my tribe when i found the Tourette syndrome association i felt like i had my people around me which is why i got involved and which is why i've ended up taking on what i have is because i feel i feel i need to give back yeah, perfect. Now, Connor, our podcast is called Grow Bold with Disability and we like to always ask our guests, what does living a bold life mean to you? Um, living a bold life to me would mean living a life that touches a lot of other people, you know, um, a life that really makes a mark um, with others, you know, because um, great men plant trees of the shade of which they'll never sit, you know. And I think that's a really important um, message for lots of people to take is that all you can do is be the best you and leave the best mark you ever can. You're only ever going to get one shot, so you might as well leave the message you want. Beautiful. And Mandy, we also ask you, what does living a bold life mean for you? Living a bold life, stand up and be counted. Nice and simple and to the point. Plant your flag, stand up and be counted. Now, listeners can find out more about Mandy, Connor, and the Tourette Syndrome Association of Australia in the links provided in today's show notes. Make sure you check that out. Mandy and Connor, thank you so much for joining us here today on Grow Bowl with Disability, brought to you by Feral's Care. Yeah, thank you for having us. It's been awesome to talk to you. Thank you so much. This podcast is brought to you by Feral's Care. 
and NDIS partner, delivering local area coordination services in Queensland, South Australia and the Australian Capital Territory. Feros Care is a people care organisation committed to helping people live bolder lives. We call it Growing Bold. And for over 30 years, Feros has been making it real for both older Australians and those living with disability. To find out more, head to ferroscare.com.au.